Um, so we are in week three of our series, Six Weeks of Purpose. Week three of this thing's, it's moving. I mean, it's October, guys. Is it? Like next week? <sighs> Almost October. I don't know what world I'm living in. Almost October. I mean, it's crazy how fast this fall is going by. And this Six Weeks of Purpose series was birthed out of the idea and the understanding, the truth, that every single individual, every single individual has a destiny and purpose on their life. There is an overall universal purpose that God has for humanity, but the God that we serve does not just look at humanity as a whole. He looks at you as an individual, designed you uniquely. There has never been a human being in all of human history that was exactly like you. There will never be another human, human being in the future of humanity that's exactly like you. He uniquely created you for such a time as this full of purpose and destiny. And that's what this series is about. Um, it's a series where we're building on each of the weeks. And so if you're new today, or maybe you haven't been for a couple weeks, make sure you go back to our YouTube channel and check out the first couple weeks. The first week we, start, we uh, talked about our starting point. Where are we starting this purpose journey from? What do I actually believe about God? What do I believe about his purpose in my life? And then last week we talked about very practical priorities and habits that we need to have in our lives of being those first few steps on our purpose journey. And then today, the first three weeks of the series are gonna be about internally, me, inside of me, my identity, and what God wants to do on the inside of me. And then the, the next three weeks are about what God's purpose is for me to do on the outside of me as I walk out his purpose in my life. So today, uh, we're gonna be talking about the Holy Spirit. And if you've been a part of our church uh, for very long, you, you know that this is something that we've talked about a lot this year, and we are really moving forward um, in pursuing the experiential side of the Holy Spirit. Um, absolutely staying within the biblical guidelines of what the New Testament says about the Holy Spirit. But we are a Spirit-filled church, meaning this. We believe the spiritual gifts are alive today and I believe that it is one of the missing keys, not one of, the missing key for the church to actually see the change the church is supposed to see in our cities and nations. The New Testament church could not have done what they did without the power of the Holy Spirit. So today, we're gonna go really practical, though. I've talked um, a lot of weeks about the Holy Spirit, and I'm gonna have them put a, a QR code up on the screen. And so again, today, I can't go into all of the background, the theological dynamics of, of where we landed today, because I'm gonna talk about the spiritual gifts. Um, but th this right here on the far left is a, is a series we did about a year and a half ago called Wind of Change, and it's a series on the book of Acts that, that I did, and would love for you to check that out to get a full theological background um, of what we believe on the Holy Spirit. And also, just a few months ago, in our series to the church of, I did to the church of Thessalonica, and I did a full breakdown of why we believe, according to scripture, that the spiritual gifts are alive today and active in our lives. So these QR codes will take you to a page on our website where you can click on those links and at any time watch uh, those YouTube videos for a further theological um, background on what we're gonna talk about today. I, I wanna read from Acts chapter two, starting in verse one, and, and this is the day that Jesus pointed to a lot in his ministry. He told his disciples before he ascended to not leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit had come. What he was saying is you can't accomplish what I've called you to accomplish in this world without who I'm sending, the Holy Spirit. 
I want you to think about how profound this is. He's talking to individuals that spent every day of three years physically being trained by Jesus, and then Jesus himself is saying, that's great, but it's still not good enough for you to accomplish your true purpose. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come. And how I wanna start this off today is so many people have, in essence, left Jerusalem in their lives, wanting to see the change in cities, nations, in their own families, in their own neighborhoods, in their own individual lives, but we've left Jerusalem, meaning we have left the Holy Spirit as being a priority in our lives, and we're trying to do this in our own power. And so today I wanna talk about what the spiritual gifts can look like in our lives, but Acts chapter two is the day Jesus was pointing to and starting in verse one, this is when the Holy Spirit came into the upper room. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, meaning the, the followers of, of Jesus. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. In, in the series I, I did in May called To the Church Of when I talked about the Holy Spirit, um, I talked about how there are a lot of mainstream churches and denominations who believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit died with the apostles. That we, they believe that the gifts are not alive today. And, and again, that sermon, I break down why we believe that's not true and that the gifts are alive today, but this is important. I said this statement in that sermon, I'm gonna say it today. Too many Christians and churches live on the right side of Easter, but the wrong side of Pentecost. We believe that Jesus died and resurrected, that he is alive, but when Jesus said, this day is coming, don't go into ministry and don't live your lives without the one I'm sending, how many believers are doing the opposite of what Jesus said that day? We're on the right side of Easter. Jesus is alive, but we're on the wrong side of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is not alive and active today, and that is not the truth. He is alive and Active. Do you guys believe that today? So I'll say again, we can't live the life we've been called to live, the purpose that God has for us without the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3, 2 through 3, the Apostle Paul writes, uh, tell me this one thing. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Spirit by following the law? No, you received the Spirit because you heard the good news and believed it. This is important. You began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now, are you trying to make it complete by your own power, that's foolish. He's saying you've got to continue to rely on the power, the giftings of the Holy Spirit. If we're trying to do it in our own power, we're foolish. And I believe, I believe that is what is wrong mostly with the church of America or the Western church. We want to put all of the emphasis into things we can do and control. I'm not talking about evil things, I'm talking about good things that if we become dependent on them can become bad things. Like methods and buildings and all of our own systems and structures, they're all great, they're all good, until we use those in place of the giftings of the Holy Spirit. Aaron Linford said this, gifts of the Spirit are supernatural in that they are not merely quickened natural faculties but manifestations of the power of God. They're not just natural. 
and I'll explain in a few minutes, we might have natural things that God has given us that the Holy Spirit power might partner with and bring the super to our natural, but the Holy Spirit is supernatural. And a lot of people have a problem with that. We'll say, man, it's just, whew, I just like church to be simple, clean cut. You know, I, 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 don't, want, I don't want that Holy Spirit guy to show up. That, that guy is, that's the weird uncle at Thanksgiving, right? Like, we, nobody wants that guy, right? But, but here, here's the truth. We have to, he's not the weird uncle. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit is just the spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity, the third part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. 1 Corinthians 2, four through five, Paul again, writing to the church of Corinth, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Paul is emphasizing the effectiveness of my preaching is not because of what's in my mind or, or the eloquent words that come out of my mouth. The power of my preaching is the Holy Spirit. There was such power when Paul spoke and the other apostles, people, when they went into Greece and they went into Rome, people there wanted to worship them as gods. Something was so powerful coming out of these men that people said, should we worship you? And Paul says, no, I'm a human, only an instrument. What you're seeing is the power of God through me. That is what changes people's hearts and minds. When they observe something that does not make sense to their natural mind. We have to understand that supernatural things are not things we should be afraid of. But like I said a few minutes ago, we don't want supernatural things to happen. A lot of us, it kind of makes us uneasy, but then we forget the fact that Christianity, just in general, believes in a supernatural God who snapped his fingers and created the entire universe. We believe in heaven after death on this earth. We believe that we will resurrect as well as believers and live forever in heaven. We believe in the supernatural as long as the supernatural doesn't invade my natural. But we have to understand that the natural isn't working. The natural is not working in our high schools. The natural is not working in, in our government. The natural is not working in politics. The natural is not working in your business, in your workplace, on your team. The natural is not working in church. We need some super to our natural. The Bible also teaches us to desire the gifts. It's okay to desire them. Actually, it's a command. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Desire them. That's a pretty bold statement. So here's three quick things we need to know about the gifts. First one is this. We desire them to build up the church. Spiritual gifts are not just to make me powerful. Like what I was saying about Paul. Anytime the Apostle Paul, anytime attention was given to the Apostle Paul, he deflected it and pointed back to God. But what you'll see in some church circles is if we're not careful, the spiritual gifts are taken and used for individual benefit and power, to look powerful, to have a spotlight on me, to bring attention to me in a church service rather than giving attention to God, right? And so the spiritual gifts are to build the church. The gifts come together to form the body of Christ. It is the spirit of the body, right? It is to build up the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 since you are eager to have the gifts of the Spirit, you must try above everything else to make greater use of those 
which help to build up the church. We're given permission right there also. Yes, it's a command to build up the church, but we're also given permission to desire the gifts that strategically build up the church more. That's a unique scripture. Uh, the, The second thing we need to know about the gifts is why they're utilized, and it's to be a witness for Jesus. Again, all of these are not about us. They're about God, they're about building the church. To be a witness for Jesus, not an attraction for us. Hebrews 2, 4, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. To be a witness for Jesus, okay? A witness. The third thing we need to know, how we are to operate in them, in faith and humility. And I'm gonna talk, I know I'm talking about them, I'm gonna go through what they are in a second, but I'm just kind of prepping us. In faith and humility, 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Manifold means multicolored, like a kaleidoscope. We are each responsible to steward the gift that God has given us in light of the manifold grace of God and the beauty of all the different kinds of gifts around us. I want you to think about how awesome this is. If you're a believer in the room, Look around this room. This is just one of our three services. Look around the room. Every single person in this room, the Holy Spirit has chosen gifts designed for you that aren't natural. They they might have some natural talents that could go with them, but these are supernatural gifts. I want you to imagine what church would look like if what I'm preaching is real and the Bible is real and these gifts are alive today. What could the church look like with authentic use of the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Every single person in here operating in a supernatural gift, the world could not turn their head away from that. It would be inexplicable. What is happening there? That is revival. That is what the apostles and the disciples experienced when they traveled from city to city. It wasn't about buildings and it wasn't about all these things. It was about the Holy Spirit working through human beings in a way that human beings could not operate on their own. It was a very pointed thing. So here's, I want, this is where I'll spend the rest of my time today. We're gonna look at the three categories of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, when I say the three categories, I want, I, some of you have researched these. There are different ways of wording these. There are different ways of categorizing them. This is just what we're gonna do today to look at them. I think it really makes sense. We're gonna look at the three different passages that spiritual gifts come from um, in the Bible, and we're gonna look at what these categories mean for us today. Are you guys interested in this stuff? Okay, because you have a spiritual gift. You have a spiritual gift. Here we go. The first category of of gifts of the Spirit are the manifestation gifts. And these come from 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 13. You can go ahead and put up the the list there. Um, I'm not gonna read the whole passage, but every single one of these is explicitly um, written in that passage. So you have the word word of wisdom, Um, word of knowledge, word of faith, gifts of healing, miracles, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. I do not have the time to go into explanations of all of these. In some of the sermons that I put up there on the QR code, um, I go into a lot fuller explanations of a lot of these gifts. And at the end of the message today, we're also going to give you a spiritual gifts assessment that we feel like it might be the best one out there where you can take it home and really dive deeper into what your spiritual gifts might be. So the manifestation gifts are primarily, like if you were to go Google the spiritual gifts, some people look at the manifestation gifts and say, these are the spiritual gifts. The other two categories are 
Holy Spirit oriented, but now most people would say all three of these categories are actually gifts of the Spirit. The reason why these get special attention and why they're the manifestation gifts is these have nothing to do with your personality or the way God designed you physically. These are all 100% manifestation, supernatural gifts that God imparts into his people when he desires in his sovereignty to do what no human can do. You can't learn to speak in tongues. You can't learn uh, the gift of healing. On the assessment you're gonna take today, the gift of healing is not on there as an option. Because like, what are you supposed to do? Like, well, I like being around sick people kind of thing. Like, oh, you have the gift of healing. No, because the gift of healing is 100% God invading a 100% human being, right? And where the gift of healing flows through. And it's amazing. Now, we as a church, and again, I'm gonna point to these other sermons a lot because I can't tackle all of it in one message. We believe that there is something called the, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is explicitly in the New Testament. There is salvation, there is water baptism, and then a third baptism that the New Testament calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a power manifestation baptism, not in water, but where there is a manifestation of power that comes on people, and the manifestation gifts come out of that. Follow me? Refer to sermons A and B on the screen earlier, and you can get a full explanation. Some of you guys are like, I don't know. Okay, but just watch the sermon. Okay, so let's go through these. The last one I wanna hit on is prophecy. This is the, I'm gonna hit on one of each of these categories. Why am I choosing prophecy? One of the reasons I'm choosing prophecy is because people have a very wrong connotation about what prophecy is, horribly wrong. Like we think it's about predicting presidents, and it's not about that. Prophecy is a gift to the body of Christ that actually the apostles said to pursue more than the other gifts. And, and if the apostles are telling us to pursue something in scripture more than the other gifts, there must be something about this gift that's special, unique, and powerful, and probably more practical than what we would believe. And the ones that the apostles, this is what's so interesting, the gifts the apostles in the New Testament emphasized are the ones that Satan also emphasizes and uses people, right, to do them wrongly and outside of the Holy Spirit so the people of God no longer crave the ones that God said are the most powerful. So it, there's a distortion for us to be nervous about the ones that God actually puts emphasis on. Prophecy, what is the Greek word for prophecy in 1 Corinthians? The Greek word is propheteia, and it means this. The spiritual ability to speak forth the mind and counsel of God, okay? To speak before and in front of. So it's to speak forth the counsel and mind of God. I'm gonna explain this. What does it mean to speak forth, and why are the apostles putting emphasis on this one? The gift of prophecy is a foretelling and not a foretelling, as is the case in the Old Testament, right? So there is foretelling in the Old Testament where it's predicting the future. New Testament prophecy is not predicting the future. It is showing God, the Holy Spirit speaking to us and speaking something out that could happen but may not according to us choosing to step into it. It's speaking forth a possibility. I love it. We had, Mandy and I went to a church that operated, I think, so authentically in the prophetic ministry in their church and the pastor's wife was talking to Mandy and actually spoke a prophetic word over her and she said this statement, I love it, and I think we have it on the screen. Prophecy is not a guarantee, it's an invitation. It's not a guarantee, 
It's an invitation. And that's what foretelling is all about. I wanna read to you 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 39 through 40. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. And then it says explicitly, especially prophecy. Did you guys know that was in the Bible? It's interesting, right? And then we're gonna skip, we're in verse one, we're gonna skip all the way down to verse 39 and kind of bookends this whole area with, with prophecy. And verse 39 says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Now, I, I've also talked a lot about tongues, but I think it's so interesting. Think about the amount of churches. This is astonishing that consider themselves New Testament churches that will read that scripture, do not forbid speaking in tongues and go, I'm gonna pretend I didn't see that. Just because we have a misunderstanding about how it's actually supposed to operate. Because people have abused it and made it weird. Let's just be honest. We go, I don't want anything to do with it. But then the apostle Paul saying, don't forbid it, but emphasize, we'll go back to prophecy, be eager to prophesy. I don't know about you, but I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking about waking up. The average Christian doesn't wake up in the morning in America and go, I'm gonna prophesy today, you know? This is great, I'm, I'm eager to prophesy. The average Christian does not wake up thinking that, but that's the command in scripture. Prophecy will always fulfill the following character. Is this interesting to you guys? Yeah. Is it interesting there in Maui? Okay, good, here we go. I, number one is this. It will not convey anything that is not deemed to be sound doctrine. I've had people prophesy over me and it had nothing to do with the Bible. And I'm like, I reject that in the name of Jesus. I mean, I had somebody one time prophesy something over me about my destruction and I was gonna follow Satan and all this stuff. And I'm looking at her like, what are you, what? That is, God does, would not say that, right? Like that, that, is, that is not prophecy, it's not sound doctrine. People aren't gonna prophesy and say, you have permission to live a sinful life. That, that's not prophecy, that's witchcraft. Two, ooh, that was, didn't mean to say that. Okay, two, but it's kind of true, you know. Two is this, it will be for the edification, building up, exhortation, encouragement, and comfort of the hearers. That is, that is so important. These are the collective, looking at all the verses that talk about prophecy. It's the edification of the hearer, the body, the exhortation, the, the encouragement, and the comfort of the hearer. It's a reminder of God's plan for your future. There's an open door to what God wants to do in your life and you don't have to be stuck in the situation you're in right now. There's an open door. And the third characteristic is it will always be packaged in a loving expression in its practical outworking. Part of prophecy is confronting sin in other people. And, and you see that multiple times in the New Testament that's for whatever reason part of the gift of prophecy, but the gift of prophecy doesn't confront people of their sin on Facebook. They don't do it in a church service. They don't do it in the atrium in front of 15 people. They do it like Jesus would because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. They do it one-on-one -on -one and say it in a loving way. I, I know this might sound crazy, but I, have, I feel like there, God might be wanting to say something to you, and if this is nothing, just walk away and pretend I didn't say it. But you could be struggling with X, Y, or Z, and, and God wanted, I feel like, wanted me to say if you're struggling with it, he sees you and it's time to get some help. But I love you and I'm here for you. If I'm wrong, walk away and say, I'm wrong.
because there's, there's a possibility. It's an invitation, not a guarantee, right? So that's how we do things in love. But prophecy is also just encouragement with the future. Again, prophecy is not a guarantee. It's an invitation. In 2019, every January, February, we have a big conference called The Rally. We have, we have it again this year. I'm so excited. We're gonna be unveiling the speakers in the next couple weeks. It's great. But every year we have The Rally. In 2019, one week after the Sunday morning where we announced that Mandy and I would be becoming the senior pastors the following year of January 2020. So in 2019, that year, we had a guest speaker. His name was Mark Francie. Is Mark Francie. He's still alive, doing well. Was. I always do that. He he's, is Mark Francie. And he, at the end of his message, called Mandy and I up on the stage, and some of you guys were here that day. And I'm gonna, I wanna talk about what a, a good example of a, a prophetic message is. And in a second, I'm gonna show you this clip. We have a video clip of it. And I wanna show you this, not because it's a prophetic message to Mandy and I, because really it was to Mandy and I, but it was about our church. I remembered this prophetic word, and the idea that's an invitation and not a guarantee. I remembered this prophetic word this week, and I hadn't watched this in two years. I went back and watched this, and what our church has accomplished over the last two and a half years since this prophetic word, it sent chills down my spine. I began crying when I watched this this week because it's a, it's a textbook example of what a prophecy looks like. In the video, if you're newer to our church, he references our church as being Copper Point Church, and it used to be Copper Point. We changed the name a few months after uh, this rally that year. So when he says Copper Point, it's the same church, it's Citizen Church, but I wanna show you what a, a prophetic word looks like. And I believe that the Lord is starting to give you like a grid. And I feel like this is a word not only for you and Manny, but this is a word for this house in this next season that God says the study session is over, it's time to innovate. I feel like there's been a season of copying others, looking to others, learning from others, God says, I let you see different streams, taste different rivers, so that you can figure out what flavor Copper Point will be. And I just felt like the Lord says, He's going to give you a grid. It's like a grid of a city. And God is going to give you a grid not only for Albuquerque, but I believe that God will give you guys a grid for the body of Christ. And there is like this large scale wisdom gift that is on both of you guys. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you in front of your church that there is gonna be a wisdom that exceeds your years, your experiences, and I felt like he wanted me to tell you that he sees you guys like, uh, like generals of a military-like base. And Copper Point will be a strategic military hub for I believe the body of Christ that people will come from all over the world to sit under the teachings, to sit under the systems that will come out of this, this house. Songs will be written here that will be sung in other languages, in other nations. And I'm telling you that there will be innovative forms of ministry, systems, and structures that will literally be, be birthed out of the core of your spirits. I see there's a new grace coming on your marriage. There's a new intimacy in your prayer times. And I felt like the Lord said he's going to start whispering the secrets of heaven in your prayer times. It says the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that you've always loved him. But there's been a new season happening starting in the last year or so. That God says, I don't, you've been telling the Lord, I don't want to just love you. I want to revere your presence. I want to respect you beyond my ability to understand you. Ah, feel him here. And the Holy Spirit said he's pleased with you, Dustin. That you would trust him beyond logic. 
that you would trust to beyond bad experiences, and that you wouldn't get jaded or, or, or allow circumstances to take the purity and the genuineness of your faith. And I say to you, man of God, dream. Dream dreams of grids, dream dreams of strategies and structures, not only for this house, but for the body of Christ at large. Mandy, God says it's not by accident that you come from where you came from, for you to see what you've seen. And I felt like the Lord wanted to be very clear in front of this church tonight that there's something, there's a, there's a sound in your soul, and it's going to be expressed not only through worship and singing, but it'll be expressed through your leadership ability to communicate. And I see an army of women that are going to be uh, literally assimilated. I see it under the sound of your story and your voice. I feel like the Lord wanted me to be very clear with you that your testimony is going to unlock a lot of people. There is literally a myriad of people sitting in the shadows with stories like yours. And God says, I've, I've given you your story, not, not in any way, other way, to celebrate the fact that I want you to share it for my glory. Pretty cool, huh? This is what is so interesting. There was never a meeting we had coming out of that going, okay, this is what Mark Francis said. Let's build out the plan for our church in light of that. There was never a meeting. It was just an invitation. Forgetting about it, two years later, here's what's so crazy. I literally drew a grid in Albuquerque, a triangle with three points, and felt like God showed me that in three airport parts of Albuquerque, there will be citizen church campuses. Last year, at exactly this time, we were given a property, our, our North Campus that we're opening in 2023. It is the, in the exact spot of the, the second dot that I drew on that grid. One of the things was systems and structures. We built out an entire church network. There are 37 churches, a part of our network, that are linking to us and taking our structures and systems and applying it in their churches around our country and around the world to help their church advance in their communities with next generation around the world. Um, this year, our women's conference is coming up, and we have more women by far far registered than we have ever had before for Flourish. At that point, Mandy had never preached a sermon, never preached a full sermon at that point. And he said, it won't just be singing, it will be through the spoken word. And I was listening to this week, and again, there was not predicting the future, because based on the choices we made, we can come under the prophetic word or say, no, I wanna do it my way, are you following me? It's an invitation and not a guarantee. Can you imagine if, People in the room desired prophecy, like the New Testament was saying, but people in humility that weren't wanting a spotlight. What would happen if these kinds of words were spoken over you about your businesses and your family and your children and the Holy Spirit guiding us through very practical, not weird, but yet supernatural prophetic words? I think it's very, very, very important. Again, remember, prophecy is foretelling and not Foretelling. So that's what I want to say about the manifestation gifts. And I wish, guys, it might be my, I'm, I'm nerdy, and I wish I could go through every single one of them and keep you here for four hours. But there's football today. I understand. You know, you, we got to get there. You know, whatever. I won't. I'll be here. We have three services. But you can watch your team. Okay, so number two. Let's go to ministry gifts, the second category. Ministry gifts are from Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Yeah, you can put them up. Um, some of these, these are also called um, the, the five, um, oh my gosh. It's okay, I don't know, I just, it's totally spaced. Okay, so um, these, are the, these are like the offices in the church. So apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, shepherd, teacher. Now, again, the spiritual gift side of this 
These are not necessarily positions where if you on the test, when you take this assessment and it says pastor, that you're like, all right, you know, I've got, I've got to stop being a teacher, you know, and uh, be a pastor. It's not an office. It's a mentality of shepherding, right? And loving and, and opening up arms and taking care of people like a small group. So I want to hit, though, um, evangelists. There are people in our church that I know for a fact, whether they're aware of it or not, have the spiritual gift of being an evangelist. The evangelist, evangelist gift is defined as this, the spirit-given capacity and desire to serve God by communicating with people who are beyond your natural sphere of influence and leading them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I won't say his name because I didn't get permission yet, but I'm sure you wouldn't care, but I won't say his name, but one of our, one of our dear, dear, dear friends um, is completely okay now, but had a heart attack this last week, about four or five days ago. He told me, he was, he, I talked to him on the phone the night he had the heart attack after he was doing a lot better, and he said as they were wheeling him in on the gurney into the emergency room, he's signing papers, I'm laughing because of what's about to happen, he's signing papers before he goes through a couple of procedures, and he looks at the people wheeling him back, and he says, I need to know something before I sign these papers. Do all of you know Jesus? And they're like, um, yeah, what? Uh, he goes, I need to know. Do all of you know Jesus? And they're like, yes, yes, yes. He's like, all right. I'll sign whatever papers then. You know, like everywhere he goes, everywhere he goes, he's connecting with people. He's an evangelist. He, he's an amazing conversationalist and just caring about people and identifying with them and pulling out information from their lives about what they do for a living and then building bridges to the lost. That's what an evangelist does. But it's not just being a good conversationalist. God will use that, right, your natural ability. And what the gifts of the Spirit do is bring super to your natural. The gift, of this, the gift of the Spirit, the gift of, of being an evangelist and the gifts of the Spirit is the ability, the willingness to use your personality but saying, God, I am aware of your Spirit empowering me to build a bridge that I cannot bridge with my own words, kind of like what the Apostle Paul said. It's not my power, not my words. It's his words and my willingness that see things come to pass. So all of these, an apostle, prophet, apostles are, apostles are sent ones, people that with a, with a missionary mindset or overseers. I talked about prophecy, pastors, I mentioned. You can be a great small group leader, a great small group leader with the gift of pastoring and then teaching is more of like the, the mind and wanting to understand scripture at a level where we can communicate it in conversation or in large setting teachings. So ministry gifts. The third one is motivational gifts. Motivational gifts. So the motivational gifts uh, come from Romans 12, three through eight, and I wanna focus on administration and leadership and then go back to why I have eyes right there next to prophecy. So administration and leadership is what I wanna focus on because it's such a strategic part of, of church. Now, I, I love the fact that God is so supernatural, right? But he's also so practical. When you look at the spiritual gifts, they're not just these crazy things where we get to walk around being you know, mindless and spiritual 24-7. It is a supernatural empowerment to do something very practical for the kingdom of God. Administration and leadership, I wanna read this uh, definition to you. Those with this gift have the ability to see the overall picture and set long-term goals. They are good organizers and find efficient ways of getting work done. Although they may not seek leadership, they will assume it when no leader is available. They receive fulfillment when others come together to complete a task. Now, some people are just really good at that in the natural, right? Really good at it. That's how they've, they've worked their way up into businesses and corporations, um, even in church. But can you imagine how much more beneficial and gifted that could be 
if the person understood that I, I'm not just gonna operate in what's natural. God, I want to bring you to bring a supernatural edge to what I can naturally do. Um, we, in, in, our, in our church, we have a whole operations business um, department, a, a lot of employees in this department, managing things and building structures for the future. And I was talking to our finance guy this last week, and, and we're talking about our North Campus and how we're doing it. And I, I was just reminding him, I was saying, hey, what's so cool about your job in this whole operations area, it's not just your mind. You're great. You're a CPA. It's not just this person with this degree. There is a supernatural element to this. When we say, Holy Spirit, fill me, right? Then all of a sudden, money is not just numbers. It's a spiritual tool that we can use that God can, get, can bring supernatural authority to and multiply, like Jesus multiplied the bread and fish at the feeding of the 5,000. When we are constantly aware of the spiritual gifts and every day saying, God, it's not about what I'm gonna naturally do today. It's not about that, it's about what I can naturally do, but constantly thinking about what I could do and you could do through me and what we could accomplish if I open myself up and say, come Holy Spirit into my life. Holy Spirit, guide me today. I wanna walk in my spiritual gifting today. Spiritual giftings are not just so you can be a good leader to rise up in your corporation. First and foremost, remember the gifts are about building the church but more importantly than even building the church because the whole point of building the church is to build the kingdom. So what you would use in the church context, use it in the same way at work. There's always the why behind the what. God, allow me to rise up in the ranks as far as you want me to go, and I'm gonna commit to you that I will come under and submit to the power of the Holy Spirit, and I wanna operate in my spiritual giftings and do what only you can do through me, ministering to people along the way and you walking through open doors that you give me to see change in our city. It's the purpose of why we're here. All of this is the purpose of why we're here. I, I wanna read through, just at the last part of the message today, how to identify our gifts. How to identify our gifts. There's just a few questions, and then I'll, I'll talk about the assessment. The first is this, where do I sense the joy of Christ? How do I know what my gift is? Where do I sense the joy of Christ? I was writing this message, and anytime you write on the Holy Spirit and you start researching the greatest minds of all time, there is, there's like this big middle area where everybody agrees, and there's these fringe areas where there's like a thousand ideas. As, as, as stressful as it is to preach on topics like sexuality and, and money or even the Holy Spirit, I have the gift of teaching, there's, there's no question, because it's not about being a gifted teacher, it, it's about the joy of Christ being in deep understanding. I called Mandy in the middle of this week and I, I, I hit a theological hangup, something I hadn't studied before. And it just stopped me dead in my tracks. And I called Mandy and I was like, I don't know what to do. Because I just hit a theological thing that I don't fully understand and I'm not getting on that stage and pretending I understand something that I don't understand. I am not doing it. And she was like, can you just like not preach that part this week and figure it out later? I'm like, no, I can't do it. I've got to figure it out right now. You know, the, the gift of teaching, it, it's about this idea of I see something and I know it's possible to understand it because God doesn't put things in his word we can't understand, right? I'm gonna understand this, but I'm gonna keep digging and keep digging. And I found the joy of Christ in that. I, I texted her something once I, I, I found, I, I really got understanding on it. And I said, I, I, I sent her an article of a commentator that explained it in a way I could understand it. And I said, I cried when I read this article. You guys don't think I'm a weirdo. But I, I sensed the joy of Christ in understanding something an hour earlier, I could not understand. Do you see what I'm saying? Where do you sense the joy of Christ? Where do you light up? The next one. 
Where have others seen effectiveness in me? The others is such a, a, a more massive part to Christianity than what anybody thinks. We're gonna talk about others a lot in the next few weeks. For some reason, God wants us to submit to others in the body of Christ a lot. So what do others see in me? Effectiveness. What have others spoken, right? Um, number three, what do, you, what, um, yeah, what do you uniquely carry a burden or passion for? What has been prophesied over you? What do you uniquely carry a burden and passion for? Oftentimes it can be worded as this. What areas of the church frustrate you where you look at it and go, oh, I could totally do that better than what they're doing, right? That's probably God saying, well, then do it, right? Then do it. But oftentimes we're just looking and go, oh, I can't believe the church drops the ball in that area. We may just not have someone as gifted as you in that area, right? So I think it's a really important thing. So what's, where's your natural passion and burden, right? And then what have other people prophesied over you? I've had people prophesy over me, like I just showed you that video when I was younger, um, when I had no passion whatsoever, honestly, for teaching, preaching. I was just like, nope, not for me, not for me. I'll never forget, there was a, a guy that spoke and in humility came off the stage. I'm always looking for that. I, don't, I, I think that's a big thing for us to look at. In humility, he came off the stage and pulled me to the side and spoke to me. And he said, there's a speaking gift in you. You're not just gonna lead in church, you're gonna speak. And I looked at him and said, I can't, I can't. And he said, you can in the power of God. There's a speaking gift on you. And I will never forget the other things he said to me in that, in that conversation. I knew it was God from that point because I never forgot a single word, All right? The next one, what do you believe the Holy Spirit has personally spoken to you about this? This is where it gets to you. What do you believe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you? How often have you prayed and sought God on this? It's like, God, what is my gift? Where have you led me? What is the Holy Spirit, where is it the Holy Spirit nudging me, whispering to me? Where, where, what area do I have a growing sensitivity, promptings of the Holy Spirit, nudges? Some people call them nudges of the Spirit. And then the last one, the, a spiritual gifts assessment and questionnaire. This is how we identify. I mean, it's not, it's not just this one assessment because an assessment that a human being makes is, is not gonna completely define you. I love, honestly, I love personality tests and like Enneagram and all, I, you know, whatever you believe about all that. But at the end of the day, right, I think personality tests are so fun. We all love seeing where we fit, but they're also extremely detrimental, I think, because once you see you in there, you go, well, that's me. And that's just who I am, take it or leave it, right? And we come, become like boxed in by what this assessment that a human being made. And we're like, no, I'm just a seven. I'm not a six, you know, like, I'm a seven wing eight. Sorry, sometimes I'm just rude. Like, no, grow up, right? Okay, so, but that, that's, that's what we do. So when you take this assessment, it's not this conclusive stamp of your new identity where you walk around and go, I don't care what this person said. That test I took said, it's not that. What it does is it helps you narrow down on at least two of these lists, narrow down what you are, how God naturally made you to show you what your natural passions and burdens could be, what you're naturally gifted at, and kind of takes you down the road a little bit. And then it's up to us after we gather the practical information to step back and pray, ask others what they see in us. If someone were to say a prophetic word over us that we trust and it's spoken in humility, all these other things play into it. But if we're willing to be patient and kind of take our time and do this properly, I think in the next few months, a true gift or gifts in your life could manifest. It, it, this isn't a game, it's not, it, this isn't fake stuff I'm, I'm spending an entire sermon preaching on. 
I have experienced and seen the spiritual gifts at work in the church. And when you see it, feel it, and experience it, you won't ever look back because you saw what human beings can't do. When stage four cancer immediately disappears, immediately you saw what human beings can't do. When people that have mangled legs, when I was a little boy, I've seen mangled legs walking in on a walker in the middle of a service being prayed for, walker goes down, this older man starts running up and down the steps of our church when I was a little boy. I looked at this man and he was crippled my whole life. And watching him run up and down the steps, it stays with you forever. And you look at this and you go, what would the world say if the church actually had the answers to the world's problems? we would see a revival that the world has never seen. That's why it's important for us to individually know what our gifts are. I wanna pray over us today and I wanna end practically with this. Up on the screen, we have the assessment. We're gonna have a couple QR codes, I think. So in the middle is the assessment that we found. We, we researched a lot of this. We feel like this is one of the most well-rounded assessments out there. It's, it's called the shape test. It does take 20 or 30 minutes to complete. We didn't wanna do a five-minute one where you're like, yeah, I like this, I like this. Boom, that's what you are. We wanted it to be a little bit more involved, and I would love for you to do this and make this your lunch and dinner conversations this week. If you're in a small group, I would love for you to at least a portion of it discuss this, and these are the QR codes for this page where you can get the assessment and um, the YouTube videos of the Holy Spirit sermons. And so also, this is on a flyer. For those of you in Maui, you have this and everybody in the room. The QR code is on this handout as well. Um, and you can just go to our website and it's pretty easy to find. I'm gonna end that practically today. Next week, we're talking about relationships in the sense of not romantic, but what people do we need in our lives? Who are our partners? Who do we need in our lives to advance us and, and take us down the path of being who we are supposed to be in our lives. Was this beneficial for you guys today? Beneficial? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. I pray that you administer to us as we practically walk out these gifts. God, you have given us supernatural gifts. God, I just pray every person would take this seriously enough to just devote a little bit of time this week to try to discover what you've uniquely given us. We thank you for being here today, God. We pray that you bless our week, and in your name we pray, amen.